everybody. Welcome to episode 54 of the Mountain Bike Podcast. I'm Hi. your host, Jonathan Lee. <laughs> That's my co-host, Stephen Lewis. How you doing, man? Good. How are you? Doing well. Doing well. Uh, we are, man, we, so I guess let's step back really quick. Mm-hmm. We released a special episode, episode 53. You were like, one. you were like NPR guy. Hey, it thanks, was good. Man. You did yeah. good work. Thank you. Uh, the feedback, feedback so far, I can't speak hard, has been really positive on it. Um, people want more of that type of episode. So I think that uh, that's the goal. It's it's a lot of work. It is a lot of work, I could imagine. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I haven't seen you doing the work, but yeah. I can imagine that doing those things. <laughs> yeah, like we put preparation into this. Ideally, or ironically, though, with this episode, we're not very prepared with this one that we're going to do right now. Yeah. Um, but we got to make it happen for the people. Um, but just the same. Um, uh, it's something that's like, you know, it takes, we put preparation to every episode, uh, but those just take, um, a whole lot more in every aspect, you Mm -hmm. know, you're conceptualizing a storyline and all that. But anyways, if you haven't listened to it yet, you should, uh, that would be episode 53. Yep. All about, uh, Bentonville, Arkansas and the Oz trails off road event. That's going to be happening there. Yeah. Uh, that's going to be October 5th through 7th. Uh, 5th will be the Fat Tire Crate. I believe those are the dates. I may have them wrong. Um, either If it's not 5th through 7th, then I think it's 6th through 8th. But it's them days, somewhere around there. If you go to you know epicrides.com, hey, you can figure it out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, that event's going to be pretty cool, man. Yeah. It's going to be – I looked at it, the 35, I think it's roughly 40-ish miles, okay. I think. Um, but that one, I believe, has 4,000 feet of climbing on it. Oh, that's it? Yeah. And that's, I swear those numbers don't do it justice because you'll just be like, oh my gosh, another 50 to 100 foot climb. And then you get to the top of that climb and you're like, oh, never mind. This is so flowy and fun. And it makes you forget about it. And then you have another. And you so know, let's see, 100 feet at a time divided by 4,000 total. I think you'll be getting 40 of them. 40, 40 little deaths. Yep. <laughs> yeah. 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 But that, and it's funny though, because every time you drop down from one, it rewards you with fun flow. Like the, the trail there is unique. Yeah. Uh, I've never come across anything like that. It's funny in your <laughs> in, in the episode, and I say in your episode, because yeah, right. I was, you know, the, the listeners were, were very t- upset yes. that I was not, you know, part of these episodes, but I, we couldn't. Like, it just, it, we Doubles physically, the yeah, we, exactly. Yeah. So um, when I was listening to the episode where you were talking about how you were underneath that limestone shelf and you had like the natural misters. It was really cool because I could actually visualize exactly where you were. Sweet. And what you were doing. So it was it was really good. It was yeah. good. Yeah. Thanks, man. Yeah. yeah. That next creek we went through right after that when you heard us bomb through Don't, a creek. Yeah. We thought that it was like a shallow little stream because we had crossed through lots of them already. Yeah. And that one was definitely head tube high on my SB55. Beautiful. Good. <laughs> it was quite Just pedal it out. And we did not expect it. Yeah. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> Todd went through and he kind of disappeared in the water. So That's then, okay. Yeah. You know, so. Uh, but anyways, going to be super cool. Uh, check out that event. If you guys are looking for one, for sure, it's going to be totally different than Epic Rides, the most Epic Rides races. Like Payson McKelvin and Howard Grotz went and pre-rode it, and I saw that Payson said, like, this is going to be totally different, man. Like, yeah. we don't have a 45-minute climb to start or in the middle or something like that. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be different, so. Whereas Carson mm. coming up, mm. oh, gosh, we're, I don't even know how I'm going to make it through the 35. That's the Carson City off-road? Uh, yeah. Uh, you guys don't start with Ash to Kings. You go straight up Kings Canyon. Uh, and then you get straight into the business, the high altitude business. It'll yeah. be, oh, it's going to be so amazing. It's going to be so good. We just got torrential downpours in our region yesterday. We did. Uh, we have more coming in the next, uh, or today we have more coming. I saw that it even snowed at high elevation yesterday, but then this morning I woke up and it looks like it rained overnight and it 
got rid of any of that yeah. snow. And, and that's so. I mean, that was still up over 8,500, 9,000 feet anyway. So yeah. that was really high elevation. So, yeah. So it's, uh, I can't wait for Carson city. It's going to be a good time. It's going to be a ton of fun. Uh, the, as the trainer road podcast host that I am as well, we're going to be on the main stage right before the headlining band doing the ask a cycling coach podcast. Oh, dang. Hot dang. Right. Can I fanboy you guys? Saturday evening. Oh, for sure. Okay. Yeah. You could like heckle us. Like okay, good. be like the guy from, um, from happy Gilmore. You know, I don't know. You suck. You. I don't <laughs> yeah. think I can do that. I, I don't think you can. Yeah. I think yeah. Nate might be a little upset about that. So I'll be nice. <laughs> good times. Yeah. Um, so a couple of things really quick, uh, head to the store, right? Mm-hmm. MTBpodcast.com. Yeah. Go to the store. Uh, you can click get all your bike parts through Worldwide Cyclery because this podcast is presented to you by Worldwide Cyclery. In fact, my friend Matt, shout out to my friend Matt Edgington, my boss's son, nice. just ordered an evil following MB frame set from them. Really? It shows up today. Sweet, man. Yeah. Ooh, good stuff. So, they know how to build bikes down there, man. They, do. they build well, I'm bike. building the bike. He just oh, got you're, the frame oh, set. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, they, uh, when we walked through, we were impressed. It wasn't the typical employee builds. Like, oh, no. Like, you know, like at a bike company, you see like some random bikes. Like every bike was very much dialed in. Oh, absolutely. Like, it was pretty cool. Uh, so yeah, go there. You can get all your bike parts through there. And then when you do that, it gives us a tiny bit. So then we can go and do episodes like episode 53, or we can do something else that we're going to talk about. Should we just kind of talk about that right now? Should we plug? Yeah. Okay. Let's be, let's be vague. Vague. Yeah. Vague. Uh, we're going to be having an event. Well, I, I guess you could call it an event more like a, a, a trip, a weekend that you could do with us. And Brian Kennedy from BKXC, that YouTube channel. Go to youtube.com slash BKXC. Three-way romantic getaway. Okay. <laughs> bike little... romantic. Okay. Yeah, gotcha. <laughs> uh, easy on the romance, much on the bike. Mm-hmm. So we're going to be yeah. – uh, we're going to be – I'm going to keep the details vague. Yeah. But it's going to be the La Sierra Dream Ride. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's pretty close to home for us. It's a region that we know well. well I don't – I only yeah. know half of it you well. You know half of it well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know the other half well. Yes. Uh, we have an incredible lodging partner mm-hmm. and food and shuttle, and it's going to be an all-inclusive experience. Mm-hmm. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. Uh, you'll be able to put two and two together here very shortly on what we're doing. But anyways, stay tuned for details on that because it's going to be super limited spots, but you're basically going to fly in. Then after that, everything is going to be taken care of pretty much Absolutely. on incredible riding, shuttling, eating. It's going to be awesome with Brian Kennedy and us. Mm-hmm. Um we're going to have some special guests even perhaps. It's going to be fun. Yeah. So Vanna White's coming, isn't she? Van, Vanna White's is, coming. Is Yolanda coming? Can, she, can we invite her? <laughs> can we talk about that really quick? She's still think, playing hard to get, man. Well, I, I don't, don't know. think uh, everyone of you listening to this, I don't think you've hit her up hard enough on Instagram here. Yeah. I mean, Steve, I've had a couple people. Steve sent out a, a, a letter of love through the podcast. Well, you kind of did it. Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did. Yeah. And, and you guys did not nail that home yet. You need to start tagging Yolanda and letting her know that dogs, bikes, and cars on Instagram exists and is very much the, is her person on the I, other I'm side the, of the pond. You know, it, <laughs> it's a very large pond. <laughs> yes, it is. And yes. Yeah. 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 You, you all need to do that. She's going to be racing this weekend. She is. And shout out to Keegan Swenson. Yes. He's rubbing it in that he had dinner with her last night. Oh, is he? <laughs> he messaged me on Instagram and he's like, I sat across the table from her last night. <laughs> and he, did he even mention anything? I don't even know. Oh, he should have. He better. Um, he if better. he's any kind of friend. Yes, yeah. that's true. <laughs> and good luck to he and Chloe. They're going to be uh, they're over there at the Stands, um, the Stands Pivot Team. Yeah. They're racing the Albstadt World Cup. Yep. This World Cup is one where you see, it's actually a unique one. You see most riders going to a hard 
hardtail instead of a full suspension. Almost everybody is on a hardtail usually. Yeah. Yep. Um, the course is super steep. It's smooth. And the descents can be really gnarly in the rain. And guess what? It's been raining. It's been raining. Yeah. So uh, it's it's going to be an interesting one to watch. Tune in. That is going to be on Red Bull TV this weekend. Uh, you can check that out. And cheer for, if you're American, cheer for Keegan Swenson. And Chloe Woodruff. And Chloe Woodruff. And awesome. if you're a fan of me, <laughs> yes. cheer for Yolanda now. <laughs> <laughs> and tag her and tag dogs, bikes, and cars. Yes. Um, Make this connection happen, people. Indeed. Uh, so uh, with that, another thing I want to mention, this is coming up tomorrow, uh, very close, right? Tomorrow mm -hmm. and Saturday, I believe? Uh, it's Saturday. Saturday, yeah. yeah. So uh, Mills Peak is a trail that's not been spoken enough uh, spoken about enough, but it's one that when they uh, debuted the Shimano e-bikes, when they uh, specialized, I think debuted the new Stumpy and Camber, they actually rode Mills Peak and shuttled Mills Peak ad nauseum, just like continue to do it because everyone had, you, it's yeah. impossible to do it ad nauseum because yeah. everyone it's had a, so much fun. Yeah. It's it's like a mini Downeyville downhill. It's, it's awesome. It's 10 miles. Um, it's now pure single track. There was a middle section mm -hmm. that was on a, a really fast fire road where you could hit 40 miles an hour yes. if you wanted to. And throw um, a rock right into that town tube yep. exactly yeah absolutely or yep. boulder you know yeah. whatever <laughs> yeah um but yeah so they finally just finished um the entire middle single track section so yeah. they're doing a grand opening of the trail this weekend it's gonna be uh super fun it starts out rocky up there if you're ever in the tahoe region you have to hit this trail yeah it starts out kind of rocky and then it gets a little bit more like in between-ish and then you get to the bottom and it's just flowy, fast, fun, poppy stuff. Absolutely. Uh, super incredible trail. I think that you descend from about 8,000 to 5,000 feet. Yeah, it's 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 exactly 3,000 feet of descending. So, yeah. yeah. It's from a, a fire lookout. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's the, super cool. The views Gold are Road. amazing. It's beautiful. Up there. Yeah. Super cool. Anyways, that's the, the grand opening this weekend of that trail. And uh, Sierra Buttes Trail Stewardship, the awesome folks that help uh, develop and manage a lot of trail development in that region, if yeah. not all of it. Uh, in addition to putting on sweet events like the Segondo, they helped with that that yep. we just did, even though Bike Monkey was the one that, that really put it on. Yeah. Um, Lost and Found Gravel Grinder, which is coming up for both Downingville Classic, Grinduro. All yeah, the awesome all ones. Them. Yeah. So uh, if you are somehow in the Bay Area or anything else like that, and I know this is listened to, and geez, I think last time I checked over 150 countries around the world so definitely sweden though yes huge yes, there definitely. yeah yeah and yeah. switzerland mm -hmm. well yeah, i don't yeah. know yet yeah <laughs> we okay, might yeah. Be. yeah okay gotcha maybe um, maybe alana's just shy maybe that's what it is <laughs> i don't know maybe is. maybe that is what it yeah. is um but anyways uh come to that it's going to be a ton of fun it's going to be also they're going to be having a commute crew presentation that's our good friend the angry single speeder yeah. and his mates they uh have done a number of crazy long trips like Tahoe to San Francisco, yeah. uh, Salt Lake City area to Moab. to Moab. Yeah, they did the Calm Utah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, they're gonna, then they're going to be presenting a, a film there, and they're going to be doing kind of like a cool uh, personal kind of tight, tiny premiere, even though it's been premiered for some time. It's mm -hmm. going to be really cool. Yeah. And that's going to be at Nakoma Resort, which is like the base camp for all things riding and, and stuff in that region. Absolutely. Do yeah. shuttles now and all that stuff. So Totally. Uh, with that, Stephen, uh, oh, a couple things. If I can take such a liberty, I, I'm selling a few things. Okay. And I've learned a few things. <laughs> okay. okay. So number one, I'm selling a RockShox Lyric 160. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, let's see, it's the RC2 damper. So it's got, um, but it's the Charger 2 damper. RC2 Charger 2, I think is the, the like actual It's not the spectrum. new Lyric It's with not the 2019. 
It's not 2019, it's 2018. It has Charger 2. Oh, so it has Charger 2, but it doesn't have the new RC2. It's not, no, it's not the yeah. it's not the red-bodied one. Yeah. It's not the 2019, it's the 2018. Okay. Uh, it's a 29, 29er fork. It's boost. Uh, it's gloss black. Mm-hmm. Uh, the steer tube, I think, is it's pretty short. I wasn't thinking when I told you, yeah, man, just cut that thing off so it has yeah, one spacer on, on the five top. Five. Yeah. I knew I'd have this fork temporarily. Yeah, I've only ridden it on ridden it on a forty mile XC ride the that Bentonville. was in Bentonville, yeah. and then I rode it on a Super D that was very short. Mm-hmm. That's it. So this thing has like eight hours on it, and that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, brand spanking new. We'll sign I, it too. Uh, yeah, totally. We will. Yeah. yeah, we've got paint pens. We can sign that. Yeah. Sign it in gloss black. Yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> on the gloss black. On the gloss black. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think that the steer tube, this is the constraining thing. The steer tube, I believe, is 168 millimeters. So uh, that basically, the way that I had it set up was on a large 5.5. It set up with like a, it had no spacer underneath. It had a, a stem and then a five mil spacer on top, and that was totally fine. Yeah. So it's a short stack. Yeah. So if you are a tall stack type of person, this fork is not for you. But if you're a short stack type of person, you're looking for a 160 mil 29er boost RockShox Lyric, this could be the fork for you. We will sign it. And uh, it will be extremely cheap. As in, when I say extremely cheap, how about uh, 375 bucks to any podcast listener? There you go. That's extremely cheap. Free shipping? Uh, no. Okay. I think that shipping will probably be somewhere around like 40 bucks, right? Oh, it'll be like... 12 to 20. Okay, cool. Perfect. Yeah. So somewhere around And there. whatever shipping is, we'll just, we'll handle it. Yep. We'll like, we'll get it all done. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We'll send it right out. So if you need that, let us know. Just shoot, shoot, actually go on to Instagram, go to Lee Jonathan underscore L E E J O N A T H A N underscore mm-hmm. and find me and then send me a DM. Okay. okay. And Perfect. then uh, we'll do it that way. Slide in. Easier. Slide in. You. Slide right in. Yeah. Uh, He's a married man though. Yes. Um, and the reason that I'm doing that is because I've got an MRP ribbon on there now. Okay. Hot dang. Interesting. Oh, we're going to talk more about that at some other point. Okay. That fork is impressive. Really? So, yep. Ram mm-hmm. control. Hmm. Yes. Yeah. And many other things too. Uh, the other thing I'm selling is, uh, so we made a mistake. <clears throat> we thought that with the PF92 bottom brackets that were on my SB55 and my SB100, that we were like, yeah, man, let's just order BB30 cranks because they were readily available, whereas GXP were not at the moment. Mm-hmm. So we did that. And then uh, we were like, man, <laughs> These are tight fitting. These things are really narrow. Yeah. <laughs> they worked, but they're narrow. Yeah. And uh, that's, of course, uh, the re- the narrower Q factor on the BB30 versus the GXP means that it was too tight of tolerances to fit a power meter on there. So I'm selling those cranks, mm-hmm. and I'm in the very awkward situation that SRAM now has no GXP cranks available because they've phased them out because dub is coming in, and Stages doesn't make a dub power meter yet. So I don't even know what I'm going to do right now because I need power <laughs> meters. It's rough. So yeah. I I know Stages is planning on making a dub one. They just haven't made it yet. Yeah. So um, anyways, I'm selling uh, two cranks, actually. Okay. Uh, so if anybody wants a GXP... Or no, SRAM, BB30. Yes. Uh, let me restart. Let's start SRAM that. X01 Eagle uh, Boost. Mm-hmm. And it's a BB30 yes. crank with yeah. 170 millimeter crank arms. Okay. If that's what you want, let me know, and I will sell that to you for less than wholesale as well. And and since we're going to be going to GXP eventually uh-huh. when things come in stock, uh-huh. or E13 PF92 bottom bracket if you need it. Yep. 
Because yeah, there's going to be two of those that you won't need anymore. True story. And those things are good. They're very brackets. good bottom brackets. Yeah, very good. So anyways, if you need those parts, just find me on Instagram, Lee Jonathan underscore, and then uh, send me DMs and then I'll get you going. The fork, like I said, 375 for any podcast listener. The cranks, I don't even know, man. I don't even yeah, know. We'll figure out what cost is. Yep. Just DM us. If you just need DM. them, we'll tell you. Totally. That's yeah. it. Uh, I'm not that. selling anything. Just okay. So we're clear. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. All right. Um, with that, I think that we should get into, we're just going to do a bit of news and then questions this episode. Not a ton of news, so, yep. but let's news time. News team, assemble! Okay. Uh, first bit of news is that Julian Absalon, the, the legend of XC racing, he has retired. Uh, I think I, I mean, I, I think we all kind of saw this coming. Uh, mm-hmm. We didn't know that it was going to be this early. He said it's because of a pollen allergy that he's developed, but then he also mentioned that he's been developing or that it, he has another allergy. And I don't know if it's the same allergy, uh, that if it's the same pollen one, uh, that one he gets where he lives in the South of France. But then he said that even in Northern Europe, he's been getting allergies as well. Huh. And those allergies have been strong enough to be able to affect his performance that he said that it just, he feel like he, he feels like he's capped. Gotcha. He's governed, so to speak, and hmm. he can't perform like he wants to. So he's gonna call it uh, call it a career, man. The winningest XC racer in history. Crazy. Yeah, yeah. All because of an allergy. That's oh, crazy. Yeah. I know. Like, right? It's just crazy to think that it can affect you that bad. Which totally. It, I don't have allergies. I'm literally not allergic to anything. That's amazing. I've been tested. You're a specimen. I'm. I, yeah. I don't know what it is. <laughs> I've been stabbed like 500 times by our allergist friend. And uh, <laughs> let's say, yeah, let's clarify. Yeah. yeah. Not like by a prison shank or something. Yeah. yeah. No. 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 Yeah. Prison shank. Yeah. Here's some goat's milk on that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, no. But uh, yeah, I'm not allergic to anything. So it's oh. kind of an interesting thing to think about. You know, I I don't know if this is the reason for John Tomac retiring. I'm sure there are plenty, but I know that he developed uh, asthma that. Um, was that that affects him still to this day, mm-hmm. from what I hear. Yeah. So, um, you know, a career of of endurance sports at that level can have you know some some pretty gnarly effects. Of course. So, um, yeah. who knows if that was somehow contributed to it, or if it was just purely an allergy? I don't know. But yeah. uh, he's still going to be running his absolute Absalon team. Mm-hmm. He, it sounds like he's considering doing some enduro stuff. Um, you know, his brother Remy is extremely good yeah. at enduro, and Julian, from what I've heard, is is darn near as good. Um, so. Uh, on the descending side of things, uh, he's obviously very good climbing or pedaling. Yeah, uh, better than me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he's going to spend more time uh, with Pauline Fran Prevot, which is his his partner. So, um, so yeah. Uh, anyways, uh, cheers to that legend, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has given us so much great racing. Any time that he lost, like I never heard him make an excuse. I never heard him complain. Never heard him do anything like that. He was like the most gracious winner and loser. Like, yeah, uh, just a total example, I think, for for mountain bike racers. You know, just as Nino, I would say Nino is also a really good example of that. Um, so, just class, classy guy. So. And and you know what was the the Google Translate thing? Oh yeah, he just do yeah, that was good. Do not look. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well now that we say do not do it, people will. But there was a Google Translate really messed up the interview with the French publication that he did. Wasn't I? Was uh, it Cycling News or who was it? I don't oh. think so. It was a French. Uh, it was a French publication. I'm not sure which which one it was. Okay, um, but it just messed up the translate really bad <laughs> in one of the highlights, in especially a bad way, in a very bad way. <laughs> yes, four letter um, words that begin with. Yes. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yep. We'll go there. Um, so over the, I, I should say, geez, I think two weekends ago, perhaps now, uh, the Enduro Cup round one of the Enduro Cup happened. That was in Moab, Utah, mm-hmm. and uh, some interesting stuff with this one. So that that race, 
is one where you have like Mag Seven, like you have like a, a selection of different trails, I believe. That and it's you all ride. different areas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And some of the trails are pretty darn gnarly, like genuinely, like they're, they're pretty gnarly. So Nate Hills, this is why it's interesting, and of course I'm going to brag because it's my bike. Um, but Nate Hills finished third, and I know Nate Hills could run his open now that he has that 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 cross or that mixed surface bike. He could probably race that thing to a good finish because yeah. he's such a good rider, but. Nate Hills got third on a 120, 100 mil travel bike, the SB SB 100. Yeah. Uh, That is kind of new, man. His wheels were Revol Control SLs. Those things weigh like 1,300 grams. Yeah. You know, Uh, that's, uh, he's really like, that's kind of crazy. But when you can, when you have that bike handling skill level that Nate has, you can, you can dance over some pretty gnarly stuff and smooth out pretty much any trail. It's true. Yeah. Like he, his bike skill makes it possible, but like, and I, forgive me, he got second, not third on there, but it's, it's still, it's impressive. Like we see how many people buying enduro bikes that are 160, you know, gnarly bikes. Mm -hmm. Um, and don't get me wrong. They can help us that have less skill. You know, they can help us get a bigger margin of error. Yeah. But this is a guy competing, and they, this isn't EWS. But it's still, it's you know, it's a chunky, gnarly enduro, and uh, the guy's getting second place on, on an XC bike. Yeah, one twenty one hundred. Yeah, that's impressive. It and is. actually, to his actually, I think he might be running one thirty one hundred on this bike. Okay. So there's that, but, but still, still, it's yeah. it's not a big difference. Cody there. Kelly was on a on a huge Alchemy. Yeah, and man. only had what. 18 seconds on him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pretty good. So um, good job, Cody Kelly. Chris Boyce got third. Mike West, as they call him, Old Man West. Uh, he's been in, he's been around for, for quite a while, and you've seen him in Yeti videos, and they released the SB95. Yeah. And they released that one. Uh, he was the person in that video, mm-hmm. uh, the model, I should say. He's done a bunch of stuff. Then Mitch Ropolato got, uh, got fifth. So uh, anyways, interesting stuff uh, to see that. And from the Enduro Cup on the women's side of things, Leanna Anderson got first, Leah Westerman got second, and Cooper Ott got third, Lauren Bingham fourth, and Stephanie McDaniel got fifth. Um, it's pretty cool to see, though, man. This Enduro stuff, uh, we're getting like more varied bikes that are that like to party. Yeah, it's happening. Kind of good. I like it. Last bit of news that we're going to cover is the EWS, and we're just we're not going to go over too many details. But Richie Rude is back on top. Good job, Richie Rude. Yep. And this was a super rocky course. Like extremely rocky course. I don't know if you guys like if you saw the the video footage or anything else. My goodness, it looked like it would just destroy your tire. Like I thought, maybe it's just better to run a foam tire. <laughs> like, yeah, like foam all the way through. Yeah, not even cush core, just foam. No, um, it's it looked really rough, but and, and he didn't flat. Thank goodness. Yeah, a lot of people flatted with cush core. Yeah, and still, and Richie yeah. didn't flat. Richie didn't. Maybe he it. took our our suggestions that we had. You know, concrete or which one? Uh, Sherman tractor tank treads. I think was one of them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, if you missed that, that was on our Instagram. You can follow us, MTB Podcast. Um, uh, but anyways, the the interesting thing with this one is that Sam Hill did not win. He got sixth. It was one of those days where it, it kind of seemed like he just couldn't. He felt a little off, or two days, I should say, two days of racing. He was just a little off, and he but he salvaged, so to speak. You know, yeah. he still he still has a healthy points lead and everything else. So. 
yeah. you know, no worries there, but, um, interesting stuff, uh, and, and kind of crazy to see that was a, that was a really, really tricky looking race. Probably the most, uh, rocky EWS I've seen. Yeah. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong on that, but then sure seems like it from recent memory. So. And shout out to Duncan Nason, team Yeti for Ooh. taking you 21. Heck yeah. Yeah. A TDS winner. Yep. Oh, and on that note, if you have not gone on to Vital MTB and looked at the raw from TDS Enduro. Of all 12 stages. You yeah. absolutely should. Yeah. Uh, you'll get a feel for what this event is and why we talk about it so yeah. much. And why you should go. <laughs> it's pretty and awesome. And watch. Yeah. <laughs> so check that out. Uh, okay. With that, Stephen, it's time for questions. Lots of questions. Question. That's a ridiculous question. False. Well, that's debatable. <laughs> Okay, first one, a little bit of a correction. Uh, Kevin says, uh, just to point out, the Fox Air DH is the A-Line race, and the A-Line race is not going anywhere. Come race it. Yeah, I don't, know, I don't know why I... Hey, it happens. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, you have the unfortunate circumstance of when you make a mistake, it's broadcast to the world, and you can't take it back. Exactly. So, yeah. you know... No buying it back. Be easy on us, folks. Yeah. It happens at times. Yep. Um, you know. Uh, okay, let's go into Nick's uh, question. He says, hey, Jonathan and Stephen, first time questioner. And he said, Stephen with a PH. That's Stefan. Stefan. <laughs> I am not Stefan, but you it's okay. Stephen with a V. It's okay. Nick. Um, it's <laughs> poor Nick. No, he's his. That's true. His yes, 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 I know. I see that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, first time questioner, but longtime listener. Thanks for the great podcast full of helpful info, good dialogue, special guest speakers. I too appreciate your family friendliness, friendly, family friendliness with many other good humans, he says. Keep up the great work. Awesome. Uh, he says, anyway, my question is regarding my dropper post. I have a 30.9 millimeter X manic fusion dropper held into my 30.9 millimeter aluminum seat post. And I can't seem to keep it from twisting as I ride. So I assume that he says that, uh, not seat post, but seat tube mm -hmm. that he's talking about. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I can't tighten the QR anymore, or I get stickiness in the travel. I've also tried carbon assembly putty as well as swapping my QR direction from facing front, uh, from rear facing to front facing all to no avail. The bike is a 2017 Raleigh Tokul three and the seat post, uh, and the bike are both relatively new as I purchased them around November of last year. And I've only got a handful of rides, um, on them and with no, no, I guess with no improvement, I should say. Uh, so he says, a side note that plus bikes can party in the snow. <laughs> anyway, thank you for your thoughts and advice. Yes, I assume they could. Um, Nick, the only there's, there's two things I can recommend. So first you can get a seat post honing tool and basically it's, um, like you're honing a cylinder. It's it, that's essentially what you're doing. And they uh, basically putting that in there with a drill and creating some cross hatching yep. may help. Yep. But unfortunately the other part of this is the X-Fusion Manic dropper post is notorious for not being able to clamp it tight enough. And then once you do get it tight enough not to move, you're crushing the actual body of the dropper could it, post. Could it be anything with using a quick release one instead of just a bolt closed one? I mean, probably not, right? Probably not. Um, you know, the thing is, if you did a bolt on, you would be able to be very specific with the torque that you put on it. You I know, advocate for bolt ons. Yeah. It, and, and you can try that as well. I don't think that's going to make a difference. And the reason that I say that is because then you can do specific torque settings yeah. and then you can say, look, uh, X fusion, I have this at the proper torque settings while using assembly paste and it's still not working. The problem is on your end. Yeah, exactly. You know, rather than having any guesswork. Yeah. No, and that's, and that's totally fair. So those are your three things to try. Yep. 
hone the, the tube out. Your local bike shop should have a reamer, you know, the actual, the tool for that. Um, go to a, a bolt on, go to like a hardware or a automotive store and you can find honers even there. Yeah. So. I don't know if you'll be able to find the right size, but yes. Harbor freight. I'm sure that they'll be very specific and they'll on their sizes and high one quality. And an SAE one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that they will actually measure like nothing what they actually say. Oh yeah, say, absolutely. You know? Yeah, that's how it goes. So, so give it a try. Yeah, that's what I would recommend there. Um, if not, you can always just throw in very heavy-duty epoxy and never remove the thing from the yeah, frame Yeah, just again. make sure you get your height correct. <laughs> <laughs> Joking that it's a terrible idea. Please don't do that. Um, okay. Uh, hey, guys, five stars and all that jazz, but I cry a little when you miss a week. I think this question might be suited for Steven because Jonathan is a wee little feller. Oh, wow. Yeah, there we go. Uh, he says, I have three questions. I have a 2015 Scott Genius 740, and I want to do three things to it. Number one, a short stem. The bike shop added a longer one to increase the reach for me, and I think that a shorter stem and wider bars might compensate for it. And wider bars. He says, I'm 6'4", so I have a good wingspan. Nice. Mm -hmm. Humans that measure themselves in wingspan are great. Yeah. Um, he says, he's he says six foot seven. Dear me. That's a big wingspan. He's like an albatross. He is. <laughs> uh, he says, what stem currently at 120 millimeters? Whoa, that's really long. He says, I think... Uh, he says, I think it came with a 20 millimeter stem. It definitely didn't come with a 20, probably somewhere around, you It's know, probably a 50 or 55. Unless that bike has the built-in like one piece stem and bar. I don't think it does. That's a genius 740. I don't think that's a built-in yeah, setup. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, we'll, we'll check on that. He says, how wide of bars and which bars? Um, so let's cover that one. Uh, first of all, a 120 millimeter stem on a bike like that is probably going to give you some weird handling characteristics. Absolutely. They just were not designed to have stems that long. So as a result, they're not designed to have your point of leverage that far forward over the front of the bike and yeah. in front of the steer tube. It'd be a little weird. Um, uh, yeah, I'm not sure that I would recommend that. So that said, I understand people are just trying to get your reach in the right spot. Uh, but but no no I would not do <laughs> no that. do not no go go away from this. What's the longest stem that you would go for um, on an enduro bike? On an enduro bike, if he's six four on an XL, mm -hmm. maybe eighty mil, maybe eighty. Yeah. But I would also I would also pump that thing up to you know with his six foot seven wingspan, he should be running seven eighty or eight hundred bars yeah. for sure. I would say eight hundred bars, and I would say I was thinking you know somewhere around the seventy five. <laughs> You know, or, or I should say, yeah, 75 mil stem, yeah. somewhere around there. I said 80 at most just because, you know, mm -hmm. some are going to be 75, some totally. are going to be 80. So. Depending on the brand. Uh, that's what I would say. And, yeah, just don't cut those 800s. Um, the thing is, if you go any wider than 800, you have a really wide wingspan. But uh, remember that you don't necessarily need to, like, your your bar width isn't absolutely proportional just to your wingspan, even though it can be a great way to kind of get, like, a loose indication. It doesn't mean that anybody with a specific wingspan needs a specific bar width. No, and it, it does come down to personal feel. Like yeah, how you ride yeah. and so many other things. So it's not just, like, a straight across uh, match. So he says, I've got upgraded to SRAM Guide R's, but my drive line or drive train is still Shimano. And I had to make a little bracket to mount the shifters to the brakes. He says, I'm thinking of going to Eagle GX. Is that a good idea? Or should I go to the Shimano 1x11 instead with the E13 rear cassette with 500% range because I already have a Shimano rear rear hub and free hub and I just replaced the free hub last fall. Dope. 
Well, the thing you might, depending on if your bike came OEM or not, you might not be able to go over to a SRAM free hub body. A lot of OEM hubs, mm -hmm. especially like DC brand Synchros. With he says their, he has a Shimano hub too. Well, yeah. And so he's a Shimano hub already, but I don't know if he's a Shimano free hub or if he actually has a Shimano right, that's SLX I mean. or XT hub. If he has a Shimano hub. Yeah, there's no chance. Yeah, yeah you're not going to be able to do that at all. So then you're stuck with a Shimano style, um, which would be you've got your Sun races, you've got all of your Shimano stuff. You can even do Shimano's um, 1130 or 1142 XT or 1140 XTR. Mm -hmm. And then you can do wolf tooth wide range stuff mm -hmm. um, with that to make it, you know, close to 500% because you can get an yeah. 1150, which yeah. will give you 490%. Um, so it, there's a lot of options you can go sticking with the Shimano free hub, but you do know, just so you know, this little bracket that you made to shifter to mount the shifters to the brakes, uh, Wheels Manufacturing and Problem Solvers already makes Shimano, yes. you know, Matchmaker to Shimano and Shimano to Matchmaker, mm -hmm. depending on which way you go, they already make those adapters and they're yeah. not expensive at all. Assuming that you also probably, assume with a six foot seven, you probably have like big hands. You're probably just a big human. Yeah. Right. Um, in this case, so you're six four and then you have a six foot seven inch wingspan. I really do. I don't always advocate for matchmakers. Like I know a lot of people like is in like mounting your shifters to your brakes yeah, because it limits how far you can move them. Whereas totally. if you have really long thumbs, you might want to separate totally the brakes from the, you know, you might want to have them on separate level, you know, separate whatever yeah. clamps. Yeah. Matchmaker isn't always the best thing. Like no. having less clamps on your bars actually delivers zero utility. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. uh, sure, less complexity, I guess. But at the same time, does it increase complexity when you're riding because you don't have perfect ergonomics? Yeah. You well, know? and that's, and so. that's the thing with, with, with matchmakers, you have, you always have four options mm -hmm. of distances, but you're not right. variable at all. Yes. You literally have the inside and outside bolts on the shifters, the threaded inserts, mm -hmm. and then you can take your left and your right matchmakers and you can flip them back and forth. So you technically yeah. have four positions to put everything in. Yeah. And I've found, I know with the SRAM level brakes, for example, mm -hmm. it's, I can't get into the ideal position. Of course. Yeah. It's tricky. Yeah. Um, so it's, yeah, it's definitely something to, to keep in mind. Yeah. Um, the one thing I've already found that I don't like about that whole matchmaker setup is the sprint lock lockout mm. is in a weird position it on is. the left handlebar for me. Yeah. It's in a weird position to open and lock my suspension you on my scalpel. You have to move your hand on that grip a fair amount. Absolutely. I have to almost take my hand off the grip in order to yep. close my suspension off. I told so many people that that's why I was getting crazy blisters last year with um, single track six and such rough terrain. Well, that's... And part of the reason I'm sure no, it's just yeah. a, you're just a fragile I'm human. Just, I'm just a softy. <laughs> I get where you're going, but no, like my hands were destroyed. Yeah. Part of that was because I shuttled or we rode Whistler for a week and mm. I was on my, on a 120 mil travel bike Yeah. and then I had a week off and then we went into this. So my hands are pretty wrecked from Whistler, but, uh, that movement that you have, if you have any type of matchmaker thing or anything else like that, and you can get a, and you can you find that you're reaching a little much that can seriously cause some problems. Absolutely. So, yeah. So always try to get ergonomics, right. But that said, that doesn't mean matchmakers are bad because maybe with matchmaker, you can get into the perfectly right position. Yeah. So just saying, think outside the box. Uh, he says, I want to upgrade my suspension front and rear, but I want to keep the Scott twin lock set up if possible. It has a Fox 32 up front with 150 millimeters and a rear Fox float, man, 150 millimeter 32. 
I didn't know that they were doing. I thought they cut off at 140. So I know the they 30s. used to make them. I think my brother had like a 160 32 mm-hmm. on his giant oh, range that oh, he had. Wow. And like I, I basically said those are walrus tusks, or like those are like when you stick chopsticks up into your upper lip, like walrus tusks. That's basically what my brother had, just flipping around on okay. the front of his bike. Got it. <laughs> it's like, yeah. It's like Twizzlers, basically. Yeah. Is what well, he it's, had. it's funny now they make now they all come with a 34 yeah. at 150, which is like the limit of a 34 even. Yeah. So yeah. And if you're um, a bigger rider. I would definitely consider upgrading to get a, a, you know, to something that's like uh rock shocks, Fox MRP, something that's going to be 34, 35 or 36 millimeter standards. Yeah, absolutely. You're going to have a weight penalty there, but at the same time, mm-hmm. um, and then the twin lock system, you're going to be very limited with what you can do. You're going to be stuck with Fox, no matter what yeah. they do make like a float X or, you know, a, a DPX two version in the Scott twin lock setup. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're going to have to call Fox or go to your local dealer and see which one they can get you in the right length with, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's going to be specific. So go to your Scott dealer. Yeah. And I don't have an answer for you, unfortunately. Yeah. It's tricky. It's mm-hmm. tricky with twin lock. It is. It gets tough. Yep. Uh, consider, do you really need the twin lock or do you just need a rear lockout? Right. Yeah, that's true. We there could we just do that. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, next one. Let's see. Uh, I've heard you guys mention gravel bikes a few times. This one is from Lee and he says that he's from the UK. Oh, five-star reviewer and regular listener. Nice. Lee. Appreciate it. He says, I've heard you guys mention gravel bikes a few times. I've been riding mountain bikes for fun for 20 years. Not sure I've ever heard of a gravel bike. So help this noob and no doubt many others from across the pond that we're just too cool or too embarrassed to ask. What is a gravel bike? Well, Lee, uh, a gravel bike is a reason why N plus one exists. Okay, nice. <laughs> yeah, that's the honest answer. So that's the, that is the honest answer. So uh, you know the the powers that be decided that they needed everybody to um, you know your rigid mountain bike isn't enough. Your hardtail isn't enough. Yeah. Your road bike doesn't go off road at all. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have the clearance for bigger tires, but mountain bike tires are too big. Yeah. So therefore, we need to figure out. You know, your cyclocross bike is also a little bit too steep of a head tube angle and too you're just not a right geometry. Too it's too stiff. It only fits a 33C tubular. Yep. So bottom gonna, bracket yeah. might be, you know, not the right height. Yeah. Might be a little low. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. So we need to we need to build a new frame, and I'm speaking on the bike industry's behalf. Yes. We need to build a new frame that's a little bit slacker geometry. It's a little bit more like a mountain bike, but it's still on drop bars. It mm-hmm. still uses a road ish wheel set. It still uses like road type shifters and road type derailers and drivetrain. Um, and we're going to change the braking standards from, you know, IS mount to flat mount. Um, and you're basically going to have what looks like a cyclocross bike, but it's a, a slacker head tube angle, um, little bit more stable bike, um, has clearance typically for like up to a 45 C tire. Mm-hmm. Some of them now, um, are also doing 27 and a half mm-hmm. up to a 2.2. And so it's, it's essentially the mix between a rigid mountain bike and a cyclocross bike. Yeah. That's the best way to probably describe a gravel bike. Yeah, I would say so. And it has some, it definitely some, when we say cyclocross, we really, it's, it's kind of heavy on the road influence in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. depending on the bike you get. Yeah. Um, from a slightly different perspective too, and that, that adds on to this, I think a lot of people are just really bored with road racing. Yeah. Um, and gravel racing is yeah. a ton of fun. It's it requires fun. more bike handling skill. There's you a little go bit to more places that are more interesting. Yeah. You're nowhere near cars. Typically. Yeah. Yeah. You, um, 
it's, it's actually a ton of fun. And I think that mountain bikers, more mountain bikers should do gravel races. I'm sure Absolutely. the angry single speeder, he's as core as it gets people. And he does gravel races and loves them. He yeah. designs them because he did the Sagan font, the dirt fondo that we did last that, weekend that or two weeks so ago. so much fun, by yeah. the way. You did on a mountain bike though. So you don't count. Yeah. But it was so much, that it course was, was incredible. Oh yeah. So these are long days on the bike. You mm -hmm. go to rad places, you yeah. have cool aid stations. Sure. Let the roadies be roadies at the front and race as hard as they want. Yeah. But then there are guys in the back, you know, at the Sagan Dirt Fondo, they were drinking margaritas, eating quesadillas with bacon and the whole Coach deal. Coach Chad. Yep. Yeah, 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 exactly. definitely Coach Chad. Yep. Yeah, it was yeah. awesome. Uh, people have like handlebar bags with with tall boys in there, mm -hmm. uh, not Santa Cruz bikes, <laughs> you know, beverages. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, it's, it's a 24-ounce beer yeah, or I don't know how many liters is 24 ounces. Yeah, not sure. Yeah. Things. Uh, but there are so many, like it, just good vibes. Yeah, around. Oh, absolutely. And I think a lot of it's refreshing for a lot of roadies to have that change. Mm -hmm. Um the, the, it's just a, they're awesome events and they're, they're obviously things like dirty cans are huge. Yeah. Um, but there's so many other events that are coming up. And the thing about gravel is it's not like, um, road racing is very one dimensional. Mm -hmm. Like you have sprints, you have mountain stages, you have rolling stuff. Yeah. But gravel is so unique because, uh, you have the varying road surface plus whether you're on single track or whether you're on two track or whether you're on just fire road or road. Foot, or yeah. Or 40 foot wide dirt roads, gravel yep. roads. Yeah. Yeah. Or paved road or paved roads. You we have like, all of that. Yep. You'll have everything. And then the elevation profile adds into that. Then as we all know, cause we're mountain bikers, then the, the composition of the soil mm -hmm. also totally affects what that type of race is going to be, yeah. you know? So like it's really dynamic too. So mm -hmm. it's kind of fun for a lot of people to either make their tool work, you know, whatever yeah. bike they have yeah. or optimize for something, you know, you can really get nerdy on that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, it's just really fun. And I, it's refreshing to me to see on the enduro side of things, you know, you have, you have enduro mountain biking, which really brought back a lot of fun and, and enjoyment into mountain biking. Yeah. You have Todd Sadow and his Epic rides who basically is turned traditional XC into these rad backcountry events with parties and, and mm -hmm. it's just a ton and of bands and so much yeah, fun. It's great. And then you have gravel racing, which is making things like it's good to see bike racing, getting more fun. It's yeah. It's becoming very multifaceted. Mm -hmm. So yeah. yeah. And I mean, and that's the thing, like, you know, we haven't really talked about the Sagan Fondo at all. And I, I think, think this is have. kind of a good spot to talk about it since we're already talking about gravel bikes. Yeah, we should. You and I did it very differently. You totally, you know, you did your SB 100 as a, you know, as I'm getting used to riding in the saddle longer because I'm doing Leadville. Exactly right. Yeah. Since I had, um, since I have Leadville coming up and, and this is a new bike to me, I wanted to find out, and I know that this seems similar. It's like, well, duh, go ride 10 miles and then multiply that times 10, but things change. Um, the bike might develop creeks and that's something I need to understand. Right. Yeah. Um, maybe it's a setup problem that I have. I need to understand, for example, on that bike, is my position really good for a hundred miles, you know, like uh, that sort of thing. And it's not that I have to test that out to the T I'm not trying to test my perform or my fitness to a hundred miles. Mm -hmm. Cause you can get by. It's amazing. You know, if what you can do for three hours, you'd be surprised that you might be able to stretch that out all the way to nine, 10 hours. Yeah. Like it's, uh, you're, you know, so you don't need to fitness wise. No, but I like having these longer races beforehand where I can shake down my equipment. Exactly. Because your equipment is definitely who wants to get to Leadville and start racing and then have a bottom bracket Creek for six hours. You <laughs> never want to do that. right. Oh, yeah. it'd be brutal. So, you know, but yeah, so you shook down, you race the 68 mile boneyard race on Aspen 
225s. Those things roll fast, by the way. They do roll fast, but you still didn't have the gearing for pavement, so (laughs) you're peddling your brains out. I died on that pavement. I bled so much time. And were you running a 32 or 32? 32. So your 32 tooth with eagle gearing, so So a 3210 top end and and a 3250 rear. Yep. Or 3250 crawl gear. Yeah. Now, I did it on my Super X. Yep. And my Super X is set up with 40C Mavic All-Road XL tires. Yep. Really fast rolling gravel tire. Yep. Designed for, you know, very much mixed surface. Yeah. Um, there was about four and a half miles where I wanted to be on a, you know, on a Yeti 5.5 or something yeah, like yeah, that. Or on, exactly. on, even on my scalpel would have been yeah. amazing yeah. up that Bad Knock Canyon climb because it, it was, was just too much for a gravel bike. It was a rock garden. It was a rock garden for four and a half miles up, <laughs> up like hill. seven, 8% average grade. <laughs> it was pretty gnarly. Yeah. And so. Can I toot my own horn for a bit? Sure. And that, on, that of course, my bike was definitely, that was the only spot where my bike was optimized for yeah. this sort of a course. So you led everybody up that but you were I did. in first place. I did. Yeah. Yep. I passed through and then I led through. So yeah. I even led Peter Soggin up that. Oh, yeah. nice. Well, yeah. there you go. Brushing my shoulder off yeah. over here. Yeah. Anyways. <laughs> but so on the road part, yeah. I was able to keep 23, 24 miles an hour because I had my 44 tooth chainring up front and the nine tooth E13 cassette, which is, it's about the equivalent of a 5411. Yeah. So I I'm was able not to able top to do end that. Like crazy. <laughs> but then I also had a slight underdrive with the 44, 46. Yeah. Yeah. Set up. So it was better than a lot of the guys who were running like a one by gravel bike with an 1136 cassette. Like I felt totally. terrible for those guys because yeah. I had an underdrive. They were trying to like grind a gear up that. Yeah. Um, but so, you know, you we had and totally I. Totally opposite bikes. Totally. And we still had a killer day. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I had a killer so. day the whole way and I suffered for a little bit, but it was great. The part that you led, you know, Peter Sagan up, I was suffering. Yeah. But other than that, I think I was in. With my bike handling skills, all of the descending on yeah. gravel, I was in having just as much fun as you. Yeah. Um, passing all of the people on mountain bikes, yeah. and they're just like terrified that there's this guy on a gravel bike that's just rallying Ripping past through. them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Uh, um, and then on the roadside, I guarantee you, I was having a better. Well, I don't know. I don't. Oh yes. Think I had a better time than you. Oh no, you did. On, no, I don't think so. But <laughs> but at least I was performing yeah. more optimally. Let's just say that yeah. I was being more efficient on the road. The lead pack uh, just like rolled past me on the pavement uh they ended up being the lead well other than jeff kabush uh he just rolled away it was ridiculous but um jeff does guys very fast yeah uh but the lead pack like just rolled away from me on the road and i remember being like i'm not out of gears i just have to work so much harder than all of you to stay at this pace like it's just not it's just not i didn't have the fitness to back it up i was working by my estimations in terms of like rolling resistance and everything else that I would have Mm -hmm. and aerodynamic drag, I'm sure, which, you know, if they're on a curly bar bike and you're nice and narrow in the drops, it's very different than, you know, with handlebars that are wide, probably somewhere around like probably around 40% harder than what they were. It's nuts to just try to keep up, just try to keep up. It's so, so it's really fun to have this sort of racing where you kind of have to like break it down like that and figure it out. So absolutely. Um, yeah, gravel's sweet. More people should do it. It is Lee. Uh, next one is from the full send rider. He says, uh, that's what FSR stands for. Apparently he says, there we go. <laughs> there we go. Uh, he says, I'm playing with the idea of buying a new bike and I'm pretty set on the 2018 stump jumpers. Ooh, the asymmetrical goodness he's looking at. He says, I've been debating between the comp carbon or the expert. I was wondering if the Fox 34 and the bird are worth it on the expert or, uh, for the price jump over the carbon. And I have those ones up here, Steven, I see you uh, scrambling to pull those up. Um, so I'll just relay the stats because getting through special specialized website is kind of it's a hard. Pain. Yeah. 
uh, pro tip specialized. When I click on mountain bikes, don't give me just every single mountain bike. Let me narrow it down by something. And I have to narrow it down on the side and I have to click three times just to get to the point where I can see the bikes I want. Then I have two pages of bike of stump jumpers to go through. Oh, great. That's not good. Yeah. Um, anyways, uh, so he says, um, He's wondering if it's worth uh, the price and opinions on the bike. So I have not ridden the new stump jumper, so I can't say. Um, however, I do trust the folks at Specialized to make a good bike. Uh-huh. Um, they know what they're doing. And uh, everyone from their their PR side was Sean Estes. He's a core rider to um, there's some of their bike testing folks that I know and the R&D guys that I know. They're, mm-hmm. they're solid. They know what they're doing. And then the pros that are riding their bikes. Yep. I think that they make a very good bike. So looking at the Comp Carbon, it looks like it comes with uh, XT in the rear. Uh, and then on the fork, I can't really tell, but it kind of looks like a performance elite. I think it's a performance. It's a grip damper. Oh uh, yeah, um, yeah. 34. Okay. I'm going through right now. So yeah, for 34 grip damper. Yep. Now, if we look at the expert on this one, so this one, it looks like has a pike on there and then it has the GX bird and it's going to have a, that GX, GX bird crank set, which is going to be a little bit lighter than the race face effect, I think is what the other yeah. build comes with. Yep. Um, Honestly, I would just, I would stick to the bird. Now, see, the thing is you were, before I dialed in your, your fine tuning on your bird, you were saying that you were not impressed with it. Yeah. I'm not impressed. Still not impressed. I'm still not impressed. You still like the E13 cassette over. Yeah. I feel like it shifts better. Okay. Um, I've, I've, I ran Eagle last year shifts. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, but I don't think it shifts as good as their one by 11. Yeah. Um, I don't, I have the one by 11 on my five, five. And it feels quicker, snappier, and that's dialed in, both of them, dialed in well. And that's with all, that's with 11-speed X01 mm-hmm. and an E13 TRS race cassette. And then I have X01 Eagle on the yeah. other. So yes. we're talking apples to apples, so to yeah. speak, you know. Close, as close as you can get. Yep. But yeah. I will say that no matter what, even the SRAM 11-speed stuff with the E13 cassette shifts far better than XT with their 1146 cassette. I agree. So I'm not a fan anymore. For some reason, Shimano's cassettes are clanky yeah. and obnoxious, and I don't like the way that they feel on their shifts. I am I will stick to SRAM drivetrains until Shimano figures that out. Yep. Yeah, uh, same boat, man. Um, By the way, did you see there's some data release? Um, Shimano XT and XTR are going 1050 12 speed. Wow. So they are going in 1045. They are going. So they're, they're doing bird. They're doing, they're doing a bird ish. Yep. Um, but it's a fishing reel. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do. I mean, they have to do something when you're going to have wireless, uh, you know, you're going to have ETAP bird free bird. Yeah. yeah. The free bird yeah. will be coming out and then you'll have everything else that comes. Yeah. yeah. They got to step up. Honestly, I would stick, um, for you, Mr. Full send rider. Um, <laughs> yes. I would definitely stick to the nicer model. You're going to have a better fork. You know, the performance elites have just a better fork all the way around. And I prefer Eagle, but yeah. it also gives you the option. If you wanted to dump the Eagle off of it and go back to SRAM 11 speed, you at least already have the XD driver on that free hub on those yeah. stock wheels. So I'm looking at this thing too. There are a number of components that kind of worry me a bit on this one. So, uh, number one, we talked about the, the drivetrain not being ideal, the fork being okay. We rode that fork, I think on a bike, we rode in a grid Sedona, damper. Yeah. which we have more Sedona bike test coming. Sorry. We do. So yeah. Long. Sorry guys. Um, but, uh, I was not impressed with that one very much. Didn't okay. feel very good. 
but maybe one of the most concerning one that I see is it's got the X-Fusion Manic dropper post on the lower <laughs> end one. Yeah. Versus uh, if you go up to the expert model, uh, the seat post that's on that one, you have their command post. Their command post is much more reliable. Yeah. Um, so, and you can launch an apple extremely high. Just ask the guys at Art Cycler on that one. Yeah. That's um, <laughs> funny. Look it up, guys. Uh, so, um, yeah, I, I, um, yeah, I, I, I would say go for the, it's $1,300 difference US that you get there. Probably a way nicer um, wheel set too. Yep. Better wheels. I, I, I think it's a better choice to go with that. Usually I would just recommend, you know, going with something else than upgrading, but then upgrading that cassette. Like if you did like an E13 cassette, you'd have to do XD driver and then Roval with XD drivers can be kind of a pain to track. Unless down. it's one of the nicer DT, you know, style ratchet. Yep setups that yeah uh, it can be tough i would just i would stick with the nicer model and be done with it yeah same here yeah same here let's do a few more questions Stephen. okay what do you say um okay let's see uh hi guys thanks for the great work you put into the podcast worthy of our five-star reviews awesome thank you brent thank you brent mcquade yes happy he's a nice guy um hopefully we didn't just like you know we outed him yeah by saying his full name so yeah. um uh, so he says i recently purchased a stages power meter but the signal sent to my garmin phoenix 3 sapphire was spotty at best i tried changing the battery making sure firmware was up to date on both calibrating and zeroing etc However, no matter what I tried, the Garmin would only pick up the signal sporadically, and the end result was a power profile that looked like a field of grass, lots of little spikes with little to no signal in between. I love the price point of the Stages device and don't want to give up on my Phoenix 3. Do you have any thoughts? Have you experienced this? Any luck with other devices? He says, I have read that others have had similar experiences and think it might have to do with the distance of the watch from the crank. Thanks, Brent. So uh, I know a lot about this. And we actually we actually got an update on this from them at Sea Otter, but you go yeah. ahead and take over. So I think that, so first of all, like you said, the update at Sea Otter, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They, their new one, I think has four times the range, six times, six times the range. Yeah. So, uh, you'll be able to get more range out of that here. We're going to get deep into in, some nerd in the though. distance from your watch. If you're, same if your garment, unit, yeah, man. it's going to be the same as the head unit. You're on your handlebars. It's not, that's not it. It's not different. Uh, so the Garmin Phoenix three Sapphire, from what I've heard, I have not tested this, but from what I've heard from many reliable sources has a problem with picking up. Uh, certain signals, whether it be amp plus or whether it be Bluetooth or I, I, you can't even pair Bluetooth with that one. No. So, uh, just amp plus, but it, it has some problems with picking up those signals. If you go to something like their forerunner series, you'll have a watch that has better pickup on signals. So if you have a heart rate strap or anything else from Garmin, chances are it'll work just fine. But third party ones might be a little different. I know that sounds weird, but in my mind, this isn't stages fault. I have had stages power meters for three years now, and I've never had this problem they spoke of where they needed to increase the range. Yeah. And man, like we, I, I am absolutely confident in saying that we deal with more people pairing stages power meters to a device being their phone than anything else in the world, a yeah. trainer road. Yeah. Like definitely the most. Mm -hmm. We rarely see distance issues with a stages power meter. Yeah. Very rarely. So many times what we do is we blame the power meter or we blame the interface we see and we're doing it incorrectly. In this case, I would actually blame the watch. Uh, the watch just <gasps> not being, yep, it's not, I know, because you you have one. It's my watch. But I would blame that watch not being a great pairing with a, with a power meter like that. And 
now the other thing also with that, the new Phoenix five mm-hmm. seems to have fixed that yes. issue inherently. Yes. I still would recommend going with a forerunner for mountain biking because unless you have wrist like bear, like Steven, mm-hmm. um, just because of the fact that the forerunner is going to be a lighter one. Uh, so it's not going to be as heavy. And if you're, you know, jostling around and there's any looseness at all, that would be a pain. Uh, the other reason for going with the forerunner is, uh, unless you need top of maps, you can go with the Phoenix, but, uh, the forerunner, and I don't know if the Phoenix does this, but, and it might, I think it is because it's basically the same guts, but I believe that they compare Bluetooth devices and in almost every case, so your, your stage's power meter, it's intelligent. It actually sends the same data across two different communication protocols at the same time. One's Bluetooth smart or Bluetooth 4.0. And then the other one is amp plus. Amp Plus is known usually for being less stable than Bluetooth. Yeah. So if you can use the Bluetooth signal from your stage's power meter, chances are you'll have a better signal across the board. There you go. So that's what I'd recommend. Yeah, and the the only thing that I would say to go... Essentially, your Forerunner 935 and your Phoenix 5 are going to be very similar in in all cases. Mm. The biggest difference that I see Mm -hmm. on a mountain bike is the sapphire lens. Mm -hmm. So I had a non... Sapphire Phoenix two mm. years ago, and I scratched that lens pretty bad. Yeah, the the nine thirty five does not have a sapphire lens option. The I've beat the don't. crap out of my saf you know my Sapphire Phoenix three, and that Looks lens new. is still brand new. Yeah, um, that's a really good point. That's for the mountain only bikers. bonus to having that. Otherwise, you just have to be careful of the lens. That's the one thing I would say if you're going to go Forerunner careful of the lens. That's a really good point. I hadn't yeah. thought of that. And also, I mean, if you're going to go, so let's say that you need that scratch proofness, yeah. you can go with the Phoenix 5S. And uh, it's, it's a smaller lighter, lens. It's, it's smaller. Lighter, yeah. It's basically the same size as the 935. It's mm-hmm. just a slight bit heavier. Yeah. So uh, you could go with a smaller one like that. True. You don't get topo maps, but you get all the other features. Yeah, but you only get topo maps on the 5X, the huge one. And yeah. I'm not even going to run the, the huge one. Yeah, that's I'm actually like, going to, when I replace like mine, yeah, I'm going down to just the regular Phoenix 5. Yep. Yeah. yeah, but I have, you know, bear wrists. So You do. Do yes. bears even have wrists? <laughs> I, I guess think they do. I think, I think they, they do. do. Yeah. Somewhere along that. Somebody that. who's an AMPX or a <laughs> wildlife biologist. <laughs> yeah. Ashley Lewis, right in. There Tell we us. go. Yeah. Friend of the podcast. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, Brian says, I'm considering a Usui pack. Those are the packs you that, that we've worn and talked about that they're, they're really good, man. I don't, I don't like any other packs anymore. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. It makes you not like other packs. Yeah. It says, but I often have my chesty on there. The buckle looks like it would get in the way of the chesty. How does this buckle sit on your chest? Thanks. It doesn't get in the way of the chesty, actually. Um, I've used a chesty and the Usui uh, many times. In yeah. fact, you've witnessed such a thing. I have. Um, we got it, a video of me hitting a tree on the <laughs> Armstrong connector. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, no problems at all. Um, it basically, what happens is that the depending on where you have your chesty and the height that you have your chesty, which I find a lot of people put it a little low, by the way. Mm-hmm. We, aren't, we ain't interested in looking at the back of your stem. We yeah. just want to see the trail you're riding. Yeah. Um, so if that's the case, uh, I, I, you just either sit it just behind or just on top of that plate or anything else, and it's just fine. There's no problem at all. That said, I wanted to talk about something. Somebody asked us, that you sweet pack looks great, but is it great for women? I have my wife try it on, and obviously every woman is going to be different with this. Mm-hmm. It was not good for her. So <laughs> she did not like that. She did not. No, um, because it's kind of got like an X harness that comes over the front. So it, there's really no spot for chest. So it's not very comfortable for women. Gotcha. That said, your mileage may vary. So uh, give one a shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe it does fit for you. I don't know. But um, I would try before buy, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. So, and I could, I could see... It would be very hard for me to see how it would work very well. I mean, I'm a little chesty and it was fine with me, <laughs> but yeah. I'm also not <laughs> a lot <laughs> chesty. <laughs> yeah. You know? 
Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, guy says, reaching out for a quick suggestion. You guys bring up so many great products that I would love to try, but listening while driving to work makes it hard to write down your suggestions. I knew you guys are strapped for time, but if you keep a list of somewhere of what you bring up and recommend, it could be super helpful for those that want to give stuff a try. Uh, and so, uh, with that, all, you can go to mtbpodcast.com and you can see that we now have official show notes instead of just in the SoundCloud description or something else. We have official show notes and a post for each episode. It's pretty awesome. Takes yeah. a lot of work or more work than we did, yeah. um, but it's good. So you can go on there and we have links to everything that we talk about, basically. Mm -hmm. So you can find that out. So mtbpodcast.com. It's where you can get swag, bike stuff, and find out all the parts you talk about. He says, to that end, what was the new hydration formula you mentioned loving? Uh, so a couple things uh, with that. Uh, so I usually use, I've used Scratch, but uh, Maurten, M-A-U-R-T-E-N, nutrition. Uh, that will be in the link on the show notes on this episode. You'll be able to find it. Uh, that stuff is a high carbohydrate mix. Okay. So you basically just get a ton of carbohydrate out of that thing. And the taste is incredible. I hate like a perpetuum and all those other ones that yeah. like basically make it feel like you're drinking pond water. It's like got clumps, <laughs> like it's in floaties. Ugh, it's so disgusting. I want to gag thinking of it, but this Martin stuff, I would say if anything, it, like I said, it's like you dr subtly drug like a small vanilla root through your water. That's it. Like, it's just like the slightest hint of just like a smoothness almost rather than anything. It, and it's doesn't taste chemically at all. It's pretty cool. So Ron Burgundy should have used yeah, when indeed. he was on his yeah, journey. Yeah. Um, it's it's really basically what I use for that is to kind of top or to raise the tide. It doesn't replace food, you mm. know. Uh, at least for me, it doesn't replace food. Maybe for others, it will. It doesn't replace food across the board, but it really stops my lows from being too low. Mm -hmm. um, so you know, I still eat other food um, as I ride, and I usually follow the rules of you know, if higher intensity, uh, easier to break down. That's a good thing for you to pancakes. follow. Birchbender's uh, pancakes. Yeah. So low intensity, you can have a pancake. <laughs> yeah, sure, exactly. Right? Um, high uh, intensity, you're going to probably use an SIS. To, yeah, yeah. Gel. Yeah. High intensity, I'm using science and sport gel. Yeah. Uh, lower intensity stuff, I'm going to use something that's like one of their, the Scratch Labs fruit chews, for example. Yeah. Um, something that's kind of in between, something that's a little more solid. But Martin all the time. And what that does is that just keeps you topped off, so to speak. Okay. Um, so it's it's really helpful. I think that it's like a, a critical component of my nutrition now uh, on the bike nutrition. Nice. So uh, what do you say, Steve? One or two more, maybe? Let's do two. Okay. Sounds good. Uh, man, we have so many questions. We could do like a 24-hour marathon of questions episodes, and we would probably just get in or not even get into the, to the whole thing. So um, let's see. Uh, yeah, let's look at this one right here. Uh, it says, uh, Hey guys, I love the podcast and don't even have a mountain bike yet. Nice. Nice. We're converting people. Look at that. I do, however, have a couple sweet Cannondale Super X frames and I'm currently building up from the next cross season. Hey, you know, hey guy. That sounds familiar. Uh, I desperately want to build one as a single speed and I'm having trouble finding reliable information regarding an eccentric bottom bracket for the BB30A. Please help. Cheers, Rob. So first of all, can I ask what an eccentric bottom bracket is? So this might help with single speeders in general, I yeah. assume. Okay. So an eccentric bottom bracket essentially is... It fits into the BB30 shell, okay, but it offsets where your spindle is. Uh -huh. So what you do is you rotate that, and it takes up chain slack. That's some clever business yeah. there. Yeah, so but that would also change your BB height, of course. Mm. That's the that's the one downside. Yes, but it's 
or if the beast. it puts it lower, it could be good. It if you have good. a high bottom bracket, yeah. or vice versa. But usually you're going to be putting it more forward. You know, you're basically going to start with the the eccentric back where it's got mm. the most slack, and you're going to roll it 180 degrees forward, yeah. depending on your chain length. So and you would do this if you don't have adjustable dropouts at the back. Basically. Absolutely, that's that's one of the two ways to do it. So you either do that or you run a low side tensioner. There's actually it basically looks like a it hangs off your derailleur hanger yeah. and it looks like a little mini derailleur, yep. but it's just a tensioner. It doesn't move. It isn't functional in terms of like shifting or it anything. It just keeps your chain tight. It just keeps it tight. Yeah. So those are the two routes to take. That um, would increase drag somewhat. So minutely. But and you're already on a single speed anyway. Who yeah, cares? Who cares? And I guess yeah. that honestly too, like a, a single speed, if you have the chain fully taut too, like uh, or slightly crooked, it'd be easy to get that wrong, and that probably increases yeah. drag too. So and, it's and that's six the, half yeah. dozen, right? And, and that's the thing: eccentric bottom brackets are notorious for moving on you, no matter mm -hmm. how tight you get them. They're notorious for you know people over tightening or running them slightly too loose, and then your chain binds up when it starts bouncing. I actually like the the hanger tensioner design. Smart. I like doing that. I route. think you actually set up a Super X that way last year for yeah. Cyclocross Nationals. Right? I did yeah. for Justin Thomas. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, yeah. So that's, uh, that's the route that I would take, but yes, there, I mean, there's, so BB30A, the thing that people need to understand, BB30A is BB30. There's, there's nothing different. It's just literally offset to the non, wait, it's offset to, to a side. It's offset <laughs> to the drive side, I think, yeah, yeah. Uh, by, uh, by five millimeters, but that um, doesn't change the bottom bracket. You no, use, though. unless it's the new super X, which is bb 30 hyphen 83A, oh, which instead of being a 73 millimeter shell oh. width, it's 83 mils width. Oh, wow. So you end up running a wider bottom bracket with a longer spindle on your cranks, but you end up lower Q factor actually in the cranks to get the same Q factor overall. What you're doing is you're spreading the bearings out farther. <laughs> Eccentric bottom brackets <laughs> can design for 83 millimeter width Help shells. Me Cannondale. So. <laughs> it's, it's easy to understand if you just download their PDF. Okay. It's great. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, so if it's the new, if it's the new BB30 83A, yeah. I don't know where to go for an eccentric bottom bracket, but if it's just BB30A, doesn't matter. It's and any any BB30 shell that's 68, uh, 68, 73 will work. Cool. And if you're a single speeder, then just stick with a I say just stick pulley. with it. Okay. I think you should just run a pulley setup. Just run the jockey setup and be done. Mm -hmm. That's what I would do. Yep. Uh, let's see. And uh, let's go with uh, one more. How do you know which gear you're in without the, the little meter? Sometimes I stop shifting even though I have one gear left or shift when I don't have any gear left. Also, I want to know the time to pedal to avoid pedal strikes. Uh, he says I would hold my five stars hostage, but I let it go a long time ago. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. And um, uh, that comes to us from two chipped tooth. He says, yeah. <laughs> so this, these seems like, these seem like beginner questions. I bet some bro is like, is going, come on, bro. Why are you answering that? Well, because people have these questions, bro. Yeah. So, so put your, your quicksand yeah, to cool guy and quicksand nomad, nah. you know, <laughs> off to the side. Yeah, calm chill. Down. Yeah, yeah. Chill out. Take a vape break for a yeah. bit. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, uh, so the, what I would say on this one is, uh, it's common and you hear people always talking about when they push for that extra gear and it doesn't happen. And That's, it's a I do that. sad moment. I do that all the time. <laughs> it's a sad Especially moment. on the gravel bike on <laughs> steep climbs. I'm like, yeah. do I have one more now? Yeah. I didn't a minute ago, but yeah. Uh, some people count gears. I don't count gears. I don't usually count gears either. Sometimes I'll just randomly look down at it and be like, oh, I'm in fourth gear or oh, I'm in seventh gear. Right? Yeah. Yeah. 
yeah, I never, I never count gears. I don't, I don't count gears riding motocross either. Um, never did. Uh, but, but that's different because you feel and know very much what second, third, first, second, third, fourth, fifth gear feels like. When you only have five or six gears, it's different than having 11 or 12 or, you know, more. And based off of perception of torque and speed and all that other stuff, you know what gear you're in. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, it's not really necessarily a problem because as long as you have your limit screws adjusted properly, you're not going to be able to shift off that. Yeah. You're not going to hurt anything, but for you to know where you are, um, I just, we just pedal. Yeah. Honestly, make pedal. Yeah. Like it's not like uh, it's not that it's not usually a concern as long as you have your B limit adjusted, mm-hmm. you don't have to worry or not B limit, uh, your limit screws adjusted. Yeah. Um, because if it's set up, then you're just going to press that thing. It won't work. Uh, it's not going to do anything in your uh, like, oh, sat- I'm clearly this- in my first gear. Right. Yeah. yeah. The sad horn noise will play the wah, wah, yeah. and then you'll just continue on. <laughs> yeah. Or Nelson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, now how to time the, your pedaling to avoid pedal strikes. This is a common thing for a lot of beginners. They're thinking like, how does the, everybody time it so well, you know? Um, and it kind of comes from a number of different things, but I find that a lot of the time it just comes from proper line choice. It's not that we're timing our pedal strokes as much mm-hmm. as we're looking ahead and we see what's coming up ahead of us. And as a result, we're making micro adjustments in our line choice to be able to miss those sort of things. Yeah. And if you need to, then you stutter, you know, if you need to, in other, and a I, stutter is just a quick stop of the pedaling. Mm-hmm. You just kind of give it a go and just pedal, pedal back really quick, yep. like a quarter of a turn. Yep. It's not much. You're just trying to offset the position of where your tires making contact to the ground in relation to where your you know feet are in the, in the circular pedal stroke. Exactly. Right? Yeah. So, uh, it's not much. And I honestly find that it's usually the, down to that. Another thing, a lot of beginners, I see pedal strike a lot because their suspension isn't set up pri- properly. So they're bobbing quite a lot if they're mm-hmm. on full suspension. Yeah. So they're dropping deep into that travel every time they pedal and they might not be holding themselves, you know, strongly on their bike with their core. So as a result, they're putting a lot of downward energy every time they pedal. Yeah. So that makes a problem worse. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of what I would say on, on those ones, as far as avoiding pedal strikes. Yeah. I think that that's the, that's the biggest thing. And also I, I can't advocate for this enough. You know, if you're going uphill, clearly you need to pedal, but, uh, maybe you don't need to pedal as much. If you look at the top guys, you know, a lot of them, you know, look in criterium racing, the guy that wins the race, a lot of the time coasts more than everybody else. He's more efficient. Yeah, and has more. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. just incredible. Yeah. So like, uh, you know, coast more and, uh, maybe you don't need to pedal quite as much maybe. And then you learn to build and maintain momentum that way. Yeah, absolutely. So, vape break over for the bro. I think vape break is over. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. You're welcome back, sir. <laughs> and with that, I think that covers it for this, uh, this episode. Keep your eyes out for more episodes. Mm-hmm. They're going to be coming from Sedona. Bike test episodes are going to be recording a bunch of those coming up. We have up. five or six more to do. I think so. Yeah, we have a bunch. More. We have a lot more. We'll get them done. Yep. Um, and then, uh, let's see. Go to mpbpodcast.com. It's mm-hmm. presented by Worldwide Cyclery. Thank you to yep. Worldwide Cyclery. And if you want to show your support for the podcast, you can go there and buy all your bike parts through them. So but make sure you go to mtbpodcast.com. Go to our store. Yes. Very top banner. Yes. Parts and accessories. Yep. Link into Worldwide Cyclery. That's the way to do it. If there's something that you don't see on their website, but you want to order it from them, call them. Yes. Make sure you tell them that Jonathan and Steven sent you. Yes. They are awesome folks. They, they are very good folks. Yeah. Uh, and then follow us on the social things. Let mm-hmm. us know if you want to buy my parts. Yes. Just slide into my DMs. Lee mm-hmm. Jonathan, we'll talk to you all next week. Whoa, 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 whoa. Are we done yet? Oh, wait. What did we forget? We need to just reiterate. Oh, yes. <laughs> that we need to get Yolanda to slide into my DMs. Yolanda Neff, uh, if you're listening, of, of course she's listening. Well, she's listening. Yeah, I just think, course. like I said, she's playing hard to get. And I'm just. <laughs> Yolanda Neff, 
Uh, Steven. Steven I would love Lewis. to ride bikes with you. He would like to ride bikes with you. He'd just like to get to know you. I would like to know you as a human. Yep. You seem like a very nice human to know. MTB podcast, uh, Squadra, everybody listening to this, all of our folks. Yeah. You can make this connection happen. Come on, army. Connect Let's on Instagram. This, yeah. Let's make it happen. Talk to y'all next week. Have a nice day. Hey guys, Jonathan here. Just wanted to thank you again for listening and let you know that if you like the song that you're hearing now and the one that you heard in the intro, it comes from Wave Riders Entertainment, my good friend Tommy Walter. Check it out if you're looking for more beats like this or some awesome tracks to listen to. We'll talk to you next week.